In this episode, I talk to Lynn about how Microsoft is using data and insights to build equitable and inclusive experiences, and what skills will be required to lead in the future of work. Hello, and welcome to the Human Works Podcast, and this is your host, Anish Lalchanani. The future of work is uniquely human. On this show, I take you on a journey to explore different perspectives to learn, grow, and thrive. I'm delighted to welcome Lynn Dang to the Human Works Podcast. Welcome to the show, Lynn. Thanks so much for having me this morning, Anish. Wonderful. As we start talking about some interesting topics around, you know, future of work, inclusion. Before that, can you introduce yourself and, you know, share with us and our listeners your career journey? Wonderful. Well, well, firstly, thank you for having me. So I'm Lynn and I am the HR lead for Microsoft Singapore and Vietnam. So I'm based here in Singapore and have been for the past two years, but I've been with Microsoft for four years. And so my previous role at Microsoft was the head of talent acquisition for Microsoft Australia. Uh, but I've actually been in the tech industry. I mean, I kind of tried to stop counting, but it's actually been about 17 years now. So I actually started, people quite laugh at this because, you know, Normally, when you come from an HR background, you have years and years or decades of experience. But I actually started my career as a technical specialist. So my very first job in the tech industry was actually going out to supporting our financial services customers in Australia, like Amex and NAB and MLC. And at the time, this is before cloud services, they had on-prem like servers. And so I had a little, this is like before the age of mobile phones, I had a little pager that I would have. And if there was anything that went off in the middle of the night or aside, like get the the ping from the page, it could be 2 a.m. in the morning and then drive out to one of the customer sites just to look at their server and what was happening there. So that was actually a really cool job and my real, real tech when I came into the industry. But then I made my way through years of consulting, recruitment, and I ultimately convinced a few people to let me join HR because I I realized that in terms of my purpose at work, I have a huge passion for people and culture. And that's definitely where I see that I can personally make most impact. So I think, Lynn, I think we almost spoke almost a year ago. I remember we spoke at this Microsoft Reinventing Work Summit. So how has it been in the last one year? How have things changed, evolved at Microsoft? It's quite interesting, isn't it? Because I think when we approached 2021, a lot of us thought that may be the end of the pandemic with vaccinations. But what we've seen is actually the world has some, you know, countries have started and then gone back into lockdown. Now, as you and I are recording today, we have the Omicron variant that I think scientists and doctors are still thinking about what's the implication. So what we've seen is ebb and flow. I think what we know is that it's an uncertain world, but maybe there are a few things. I mean, I think from a Microsoft point of view, we're just looking at the data and learning as we go and sharing and learning from others. But there's probably two things that we're seeing that really will uh, affect how we think about the future of work. And the first one is this thing called the hybrid work paradox. So what we did is we looked at data, you know, across industries and across many different countries as well. And even when we drilled down into like individual country data, it correlates with what we're seeing. And this is from an employee point of view, is that employees, about 70% of employees really want flexibility. So Mm -hmm. when we move into a post-pandemic world, they really appreciate the flexibility of remote work, of being able to do their work wherever it is that is convenient for them. But on the other hand, almost 70% as well, so 63% of people 
want to have more in-person collaboration. So we talk about, so at Microsoft, we're thinking about how do we solve this paradox? And so for us, it's really about hybrid work. So thinking about not only where work is being done, but what that type of work is and how it's being done. And so that's what we're thinking through, like how do we create this? And, and for us, it's still along those same lines about really having extreme flexibility. It won't be a one-size-fits-all for all employees. I think when we think about even like the pandemic, right, if you were a working parent and you had children at home, that's a different experience to someone who may be single or living by themselves and that social isolation. So there are different things where people want. And so we're trying to approach our model so that it really works extreme flexibility for the employee employee in alignment with their teams and their managers, but that it works for them and it works for their team. And so that flexibility will look different for each person. And then the other thing that we're, we're thinking about is what, I mean, some people have sort of labeled the great resignation at Microsoft and with our LinkedIn partner, we're talking about the great reshuffle. So most employers, and we are thinking about where work is being done, how work is being done, what is that flexibility? How do we embrace flexibility? How do we accommodate for different work? work styles and build this culture of trust as an employer and speaking to employees. But then employees are thinking, why am I doing the work that I'm doing? You know, mm -hmm. after two years of this pandemic, a lot of people are saying, and I'm certainly hearing it from our employees, is the work that I'm doing contributing to something bigger than myself? And it comes down to purpose. And so we're seeing more of, you know, employees thinking and they're not, they're thinking the why. And so I think that is really when we think at Microsoft, that's going to really define the future, this relationship between employer and employee and then how do we then you know and and as we know in HR if an employee will vote with their feet like if we think about talent attraction and retention if it's not working for them they will vote with their feet so I think as a, a business problem that's what we're thinking about but the opportunity we've seen have, have been immense around hybrid work and, and so I'm really excited about hybrid work and the future of work and I think we're already in it now in various stages and then we have to build flexibility into our people our processes and the places that we work to make sure that it's working and we're learning and we're able to iterate as we go as well. Yeah, I think really like the way you are thinking and Microsoft is thinking in terms of flexibility, but it's also around, you know, one size doesn't fit all, as you said, yeah, everyone has their own parameters as they're working through. One thing I possibly kind of noted was you talked a lot about managers and flexibility. So is there a lot going on in terms of how managers can work with their teams? How are they empowered? How are they empowering the teams to work in a flexible manner? So at Microsoft, I mean, we have sort of what we, we introduced this framework for all managers a few years ago called the model coach care framework. Mm -hmm. And what it is, it's role modeling for your teams and the company's values and how they want to work and, and things like where they work, et cetera. But then, then there's coaching. So really, you know, sometimes as a manager, that managers often feel the pressure to give answers when employees come to them. And so we've really been building our coaching muscle, like to ask, ask really inquisitive questions to help your teams think Think about how it is and then care, which is really caring for their well-being, caring for their career development. And I think if anything during the period of the pandemic taught us is care is the currency, like care is a currency. And so we've been working with the management community and sort of thinking about what does care mean in a hybrid work sense. And, you know, care during the pandemic was really about well-being. We really doubled down and said, and like I mentioned earlier, like everyone is experiencing the pandemic in really different ways. There are employees who may not have the right 
set up at home. There are employees who are feeling, I mean, based on our research, Gen Z or Gen Z actually felt social isolation much more than any other employee group. And then things that our data also showed us was, you know, if you're a single parent or especially single mothers, you'll experience it very differently. And I think the more that managers are able to create the space for people to be their authentic self and share some of those challenges and really work with their teams around how do I help you with what you're going through at the moment? Because our employees are more than just employees at Microsoft. They're ultimately people who you know have loved ones or are going through challenges. And so I think what has been really great are some of the sort of, we do this thing called MS Poll, which is really just getting a sense check from our employees, how they're feeling. And managers score were relatively like high during the pandemic because we really were collectively as managers leaning into individual experiences and how we can talk about well-being in a way that, and, you know, it's physical well-being, but mental, emotional well-being as well. And so when we shift it to, okay, what does it mean in a post-pandemic world and hybrid work? It's just that it's, you know, everybody that care factor. So really understand where everybody, every single person is at in their career development journey, where everybody is at in how they think about work-life balance and what is needed as part of that, the different transitions that people have in their life, whether they're a new parent or they're caring for elderly parents or they're going through um, life moments, how can managers support that? So I think we introduced the framework prior to the pandemic, but I think we really, we realized sort of the, the power of the framework during the pandemic and certainly now in a sort of post-pandemic world in the future of work, we'll continue on that journey with our managers. And I'm just like incredibly proud of the, the managers we have at Microsoft who've really leaned into this. And, and, you know, for some, you know, they're stronger in other areas, but really that capability that they're thinking about and they're thinking about how do I become a great manager for my people and really how do I invest the time in my skills to help my team as well. You know, that, that totally makes sense. And I think the aspect you talked around, you know, purpose, that's also quite key for managers to really be there to coach them for people to understand their purpose, for people to pursue that purpose in, in many ways. And you're right, I think it, it, there can be a lot of programmatic stuff, but it boils down to the individual in these aspects. Yeah, What are they thinking of and you know, what do they really want to do and how do managers support them in their career development and their journeys? Yeah, exactly. And it's funny you talked about purpose because I was having a conversation with um an exec the other week and, you know, they were sharing with me, you know, Lynn, maybe like 20 years ago when we were interviewing people, we were talking about like, what's been your skill set or what are you doing in technical? And now in the interviews, you know, the candidates are asking me like, what's your purpose? Like, what, what is your purpose? And here's my purpose. And so they're really thinking about, like I said, like this idea of like, why, why do I do the work that I do? And how does it contribute to something bigger than myself? And what is it my passion area? And so Satya Nadella, our CEO, you know, said something that I really loved when I first joined Microsoft is how do you use Microsoft as a platform to pursue your purpose? Because we spend a lot of time working and if the data tells us that during the pandemic, we were spending more time working ever than ever before. So if we're investing all this time at work, that work has to matter and it has to mean something to me as an individual. And so it's been really like inspiring watching our employees as they find that some people know their purpose very strong, but then there are people who are finding it. But I've seen people lean into things like sustainability because climate change is a big issue for them. I've seen people lean into gender diversity because that's been really important to them in the tech industry. 
I've seen, yeah, and then intersectional identities. I've seen people lean into doing more and making sure that we're thinking about underrepresented minorities um, and getting them into at least, if not into our workforce, but at least part of getting their feedback on designs of our products and services. So it's been really yeah, it's super inspiring to, to see that and, and see that activated at like an employee level, yeah. even though our CEO said it at a high level. But when you amplify that with like 160,000 employees across the world, it's just the, the power of that is really inspiring to me. And what I'm hearing is I think this number of ways people can actually you know, apply those interests, preferences, which aligns to their purpose. That's also important, giving them that platform to say, okay, you can contribute into this area and how those as an organization possibly, you know, also benefits in different ways. But people also are quite aligned. Okay, I'm actually doing these things, which helps me really either improve a skill or, you know, kind of, you know, pursue my passion. So that that's quite interesting to hear. And I think we talked about pandemic and we've moved, a lot of the work has kind of moved on digital platforms and Microsoft Teams, and I'm sure a number of other you know, products which have come out. So my sense would be, I think last year would have been really tough for employees within Microsoft. I mean, one side is we're talking about, yes, people are trying to adapt to new technologies, but the other sense I'm also kind of, you know, kind of getting is like, you know, within Microsoft would have been like, okay, we have to ramp up the capacity, put new functionalities, put things out. So overall, how has that kind of impacted the well-being of employees and how have you seen that really things evolving in the last one year? That's a great question. And yes, and so I think we've been very fortunate uh, being sort of our products and services when the pandemic first hit, that we were really able to help a lot of our customers, whether they were, you know, large enterprises or the public sector or education institutions or small, medium-sized enterprises. Because I think for, for most companies and organizations, like they were forced to move straight to remote work and so many people, some some were more ready than others, but I think that the fact that we were able to help, we felt very privileged. But as you said, that also means that, you know, your employees are working much harder. Having said that, we've also hired um, tens of thousands of people during a pandemic, and maybe that's another side topic, Anish, like yeah. <laughs> the onboarding experience of, uh, you know, new people during a pandemic, uh, that remote onboarding, what that's been like and what we're learning from that. But yes, yeah, so I think what we've seen in our data and so when we looked at a sort of Microsoft Teams and the amount of chats and meetings that have been generated, as you say, as they're responding to customers, but as we've changed our products to meet the, the needs of customers as well and design, we have definitely seen productivity gone up. So there are data points that, you know, meetings, back-to-back meetings have increased. People are definitely sending more chats to each other. And actually, once, the, once we were, I think, about March, April, when the pandemic first hit in 2020, that really spiked. So I think people were like, okay, we're all like in our home office now, we're in our kitchen or or wherever people working. But the way that we can stay connected with each other is through uh, digital platforms uh, on Microsoft Teams. And so they did that. But of course, everything increases with it. And so when we looked at it, we saw productivity increase, but then we also saw work-life balance scores decrease. So as productivity increased, we saw work-life balance. And I think a couple of things, and this is the, the stuff that, you know, we're still trying to understand a bit more and how do we then, and for us, it's thinking about how do we actually use our technology to help with well-being? So the first thing is 
Yes, we definitely know there's well-being challenges at the moment because work-life, you know, we, all of us and myself included have gotten into some bad habits at the start where you just, and I don't know if this resonates with listeners, but, you know, you go from meeting to meeting because you wake up and it's very easy to walk into, you know, straight into your devices, whether it's your laptop or phone to start checking emails, even before breakfast. And then you go back to back meetings. And then because you can sit literally at your desk the whole day, you may end up up your day later. We were definitely seeing that in the data as well. So we've been looking at that and we've seen, we've been thinking about, okay, well, what's managers roles and employees roles in understanding what their boundaries are and saying, you know, now that I can see the data and in Microsoft Teams, you know, Viva Insights, I actually get these reminders to tell me, you know, last week, you know, you did more hours and more meeting hours. So my data is showing me sort of the trend, but I think once you have that data, what do you do with that? And so I think there are some practical things that we've seen. And so using our technology, what we've been able to do is simple things like, you know, the brain science shows us that even just having a five minute break between meetings will allow you just to decompress and it increases your well-being. So what we've done now is that instead of meetings that go on for 30 minutes or 60 minutes, they just default to 25 minutes and 55 minutes. So you don't even need to think about it as you're building in your day that you will get, you will naturally get those breaks. So that's like a simple way of, you know, how technologies and how we're evolving our products to really tackle this issue of digital exhaustion that I think we're all feeling and the data shows that. And then other things like being able to do, put in focus times. So really you block in focus times then and more focus times during your day you will actually have better well-being scores overall. So now at the beginning of the week, your calendar, you can just automatically say, and the way that I've been doing it as well is just automatically blocking in focus days every day. And then other things like it. And then if you're really, really advanced and you really want to try this, what I really love is that we've integrated Headspace, which is a mindfulness app into um, teams as well. So I do one at the end of the day. And then, and, you know, I've been doing mindfulness for many years now, so I'm a huge advocate, but for anyone who is a skeptic or a cynic, you know, give it a, give it a go. But I think really spending time to be in the present and really grounding us. And if we've known anything through this pandemic, it's that, you know, there's a lot of things going, challenging things and that people have had to deal with over this time, but really making the time for your own self-care has never been more important. And really, we're really thinking about how technology plays that dual role of adding to your workload, but how do we then reposition and reshift our thinking about the way that we use technology to give us more mentally healthier habits around how we work and yeah, where we work. Yeah, I think that that's great. I think it's good to also see some practical tips what you've shared because you're right at times people think, yeah, it's it's a big topic, mental health, mental well-being, but then how do we really do it? And the beauty of the discussion, what I'm kind of really understanding here is that how technology can help to do that. In one way, yes, I think it's also like looking at the screen so much, you know, all, almost all your day can be exhausting, but then how do you use technology to help you kind of give you that headspace, give you that thinking space, you know, a well-being break? That's quite, quite helpful and interesting. And that's where I see, in a way, technology is helping and supporting rather than being, you know, in, in many ways competing against your time to kind of, you know, give you that free time. So that's really helpful to know. And yeah, headspace, I think, you know, I've been using headspace for a number of years. I kind of moved on to new other, other things. And as we talk about things evolving, the work is evolving as well. And I think you alluded to it a bit earlier. So are you seeing the design of work and jobs changing or how do you see that happening in the last year or so? 
Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I remember when I was talking to our LinkedIn peers that remote job listings were had increased five times actually since the pandemic. So I think what's been really great is how organisations are thinking about our traditional ways of working. Is it really the best way? We know that we've sort of proved that you can work from anywhere really and how that works, how we bring people together. We've really challenged that. I think the only thing that as we move into hybrid work is now that we're moving into a space where you may have some people in a room together doing work and collaboration and then you have people dialing in from their home office or a cafe or a different space how can we make sure that experience is the same and that's something that we're still grappling with at Microsoft because I think we're thinking about you know there are some work where people enjoy doing some people enjoy doing remote work for most majority of their week, but actually they still want to do collaboration in person together. And then some people think, well, I can still collaborate remotely as well. And so for us, we're thinking about how do we design the spaces? So where we're working, so is everyone in the same space together? And that's going to look very different to what it was pre-pandemic, and we're already seeing that. Two, how we're working together. So is it going to be a digital platform or is it a physical space? And then the third thing is like why people are coming together, if they are coming together, why are they coming together to do that work? And so we're starting to look at that. And so really simple things like, you know, already we're starting to have teams as particularly say in our China office where they've been sort of open for quite a while now. We still have people coming to the office doing work. Then we've got people outside dialing in remotely. They're still on the same platform. So how do we create that experience so that it's inclusive for everyone and everybody is having that same experience so that you don't? I think one thing we didn't do well pre-pandemic was giving that same experience and thinking how is that experience for someone who's dialing in from a different location? So we're thinking about sort of that physical space and that virtual space and how do we create that inclusion. But, you know, so much of this is not about the technology or the physical space. It's about the behaviours. It's about the agreements that we have. And so, you know, it's a, a topic I'm very passionate about, which is inclusion, which is around when you're in a, you know, the biases that we have when we're in a room with someone is you tend to look at them. So some of the things that we're thinking about is, okay, if every, if regardless of where you're dialing in from, you may actually all log into your laptop as well, particularly so that people can see chats. So for some people, they really love the chat function that we have. And, you know, I think it have been able to put longer comments in. Some people are introverted, they need a bit of time or analytical, and they need a bit of time to process data. And so having that chat function has been helpful so that's that's what we're tending to think about like we're thinking about okay in this hybrid work how we're working together what does inclusion look like in that space and how do we hold ourselves accountable so that people are having that same sort of seamless employee experience and that people are able to contribute because if they're not able to then that stifles innovation right and that's so important for us as technology company is how do we stay innovative and you can only do that when every voice is heard regardless of where they're they're working at yeah no that 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 makes sense and you're right i think you know it's the it's not only the technology it's the ways of working it's the way how people operate it's the way the leader operates and brings that inclusive environment and open dialogue which is quite important i think the point you also raised around collaboration is key yeah so platforms can help but it's also up to the individuals and the groups so in many ways i also kind of you know usually think yes it's it's a lot to the leader but it's also about in the future it's maybe self-directed teams you know and then how does a team operate you know and how do they actually you know co-create that 
new ways of working which can really support them in in you know operating in different aspects and I, and the, the trickiest part you're right i think everyone is trying to figure out is the hybrid and the inclusion aspect because yeah it was easier when people were in one location it was easier when everyone was you know remote <laughs> i think the tricky thing comes in when it's actually hybrid and it would be as different employees have different needs and the flexibility for for doing that yeah i mean here we've been talking about how do we create those equitable inclusive experiences and the design has to start with the people that are not in the room with you and so i think that's been and i think that sort of our, our dni journey has always been the same like what are the voices we're not hearing how do we amplify that and make sure that we're hearing that so whatever we've designed for it's inclusive of everyone's experience but i think that's um, just something we're very intentional about as we think about both how we run team meetings but how we think about our products and services yeah yeah, that's true. And talking about you know future of work, we talked about how people operate. But in terms of the skills required for you know evolving nature of jobs and work, that's a great question. And and my answer will be honestly some very it may not surprise you, but they're truly very sort of human skills. So I think the the first one that I think of is sort of empathy. And I think this was with our leaders, we often talk about leading with empathy. This could be with our customers, it could be with our employees, it could be with our teams and what it means. And I think for us, it's really been able to think about the experience of your customer or your employee and really sort of asking the right questions to understand where they're coming from so that you can really and really understand their perspective and put yourself in how they're feeling, how what they're seeing, what they're feeling how they're thinking about it. And only with true empathy, I think, are you able to address it? And I know like, you know, we talked about the complexity of hybrid work and how we're going to create this space where everybody sort of thrives in the hybrid work, but we know that it's complex. It's not an easy issue to solve. That's why we have so many, uh, you know, looking at the data and so many conversations with uh, people and learning from others. But I think what we've known is that that empathy that and that ties back to the care factor that I talked about care is the currency because you know truly caring for people that leads to the empathy that you need and being able to listen and so that's the first one which I know is not a technical skill I think you maybe your listeners are thinking she's going to say a technical skill but no (laughs) it's empathy and then I think the second one that I uh, really uh, encourage, and certainly at Microsoft, we've been doing this, is we've talked about moving our, our organization to a learn-it-all mindset. And what that means on an individual level is really having that learner mindset that every day, I think I had one of our, um, I, I listened to Andrea Delamatteo, one of our, um, our corporate vice president for APAC here, say that she called it an intern mindset. So how do you stay curious and learn all the time? It could be learning about new technologies. I mean, look at the pace of innovation, even in the last couple of years. Is, we know that that will continue accelerating organizations will uh, and the technology will accelerate so yes you know learning about uh, the new technologies out there but I think just learning about you know other things in general just staying that curiosity and really leaning into your curiosity and learning about other people's experience or picking up new soft skills I think building that will be an important one and for people like myself who've been in the tech industry for like almost two decades so many of us you know walked in with a fixed mindset we first so for us unlearning 
learning that fixed mindset and really leaning into curiosity and learning from others has been really a, a humble but very rewarding experience. So I always even tell myself like every day, what are you learning? What's something that you learn? What have you failed at? And what will you learn from that to keep that, keep that appetite and that curiosity alive? And then the third thing is an interesting one. I don't know if um, the, this will resonate with the listeners, but I really thought that communication skills were so important even before the pandemic. But during the pandemic, I really thought being able to communicate with clarity and with empathy, I saw that some really strong leaders were able to do that across cultures, across geographies, but also across different platforms. I mean, you and I are doing this podcast, yeah. you know, entirely virtually. So really the ability to communicate in a virtual environment. And when we you think about hybrid for leaders too, and even as we're, we're communicating, being able to build authentic comms across, you know, the people in the room with you, the people who are outside dialing in on a digital platform, that's so important. And it's something that I think some people have struggled with. And so I think the importance of like communications and being able to communicate, whether it's a one-to-one or one-to-many in different environments is going to be a really important one for leaders. You know, we saw it at the beginning of the pandemic when that pandemic hit, people were looking to their leaders to say, what's going on? What's going to happen? And I think communications was so important during that. And I think that will continue into the future in this hybrid working environment we have. Really, really great to kind of hear from you on this topic. Yes, I'm assuming some people would be thinking it's AI and ML, possibly. (laughs) We are not talking about those things here. But empathy, you know, learner's mindset and communication, I think you're right. I think, you know, some of the human skills are actually going to help us to really lead in the future of work. Technologies will come and go. People will learn. People will relearn. Uh, so you're right. I think, you know, you've possibly learned from pager days to, I don't know, what, what what's the latest coming up now. Wonderful. Lynn, it has been lovely speaking to you. I think I really enjoyed the conversation. How can our listeners reach out to you? I am on LinkedIn. Uh, so if you... Yeah, people want to, I mean, it's quite funny because often people say to me, oh, I saw something, you know, I saw you on LinkedIn first before anything else. So (laughs) maybe that's got greater reach than my physical presence. (laughs) But yes, listeners can reach out to me on LinkedIn and they can do a search on Linda and Microsoft and really happy to connect. And I share some of this throughout my LinkedIn articles and with my updates as well. And I would really love to learn from the listeners as well. So, you know, I think we're in it together, all of us. And so we're learning as we go and we're looking at the data and we're listening to our employees and we're learning from each other. So I really, I think it's an exciting time for organizations as we lean into this. And, and I think it's really it's something that I'm very optimistic and hopeful about in, in the future of work. But thank you so much for having me, Anish. I really enjoyed this conversation and really look forward to listening to more of your podcasts as well. Wonderful. Thank you, Lynn. I hope the podcast has been a source of inspiration and ideas to learn, grow, and thrive. This is the last podcast for this year, and I'll be back after a short break in Jan. We will start the year by talking to a futurist. Meanwhile, I wish you and your families Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.